Get in, bitch. We're headed to the moon. What a week, Matthew. Pretty exciting. What did you just pop there? Uh, I popped the last of my... Oh, fuck. Octantotion. That was a good effort. Yeah. I, was a good every effort. time I try and pronounce it, though, I have freaks in my DMs telling me how to pronounce it. And then I'm going <laughs> to switch to some Oban. Uh, taking a cheat day in sober to October here. I'm going to join you with the whiskey, considering the uh, the vibe of the week. Had a freak semi, uh, some premium four-grain blended bourbon whiskey, Ghostwood, from Montana. Embrace the unknown. Shout out to that freak. You haven't had a very sober October, Marty, huh? It could be more sober. <laughs> it could be a bit drier. I, just, I feel like you lied to me and the freaks, but I guess you lied to yourself as well. Well, at least I'm I'm not saying I'm not drinking. You know, at least I'm not lying right now. I'm being forthright. That's fair. That's fair. Got to count the wins where, where they are. Anyway, Marty, cheers. Yeah. Cheers to the corn and to the freaks. Cheers to you. Cheers to the corn. Cheers to this day. It's beautiful. It's beautiful up in Long Island as well. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, got a surf session in today. Felt good. Vibes are high. We're above 13,000 right now. Let's just jump into Clark's dashboard. We are at $13,124. Uh, the amount of sats you're able to buy with $1 is going down significantly. Right now, you can only purchase 7,620 sats with $1. The market cap is up to $240. $3.2 billion. Uh, right now, Bitcoin will buy you 6.9 ounces of gold, one Bitcoin, uh, at 1.97% of an ounce of gold, or excuse me, the gold market cap is the Bitcoin market cap. And right now, you can buy 131 barrels of oil with one Bitcoin. We're at block 653,880. Nice even number. I like that a lot. Uh, reachable nodes approaching uh, 11,000. We're at 10,960. Uh, we had a retarget last Saturday. It was on the wrong row here, on the wrong column, excuse me. It was a 3.6% upwards difficulty adjustment. Right now, though, we are scheduled to have another difficulty adjustment on Halloween, so next Saturday. And as of right now, it seems that hash rate has left the network, and we are going to have a downward difficulty adjustment in 1,320 blocks that is estimated Uh-oh. to be negative 7.3%. Mining death spiral. Blocks are currently coming in at 10 minutes and 48 seconds on average, and uh, the scuttlebutt in the mining industry is that the rainy season in China is coming to an end. Uh, what does scuttlebutt mean? Scuttlebutt, I think that's like the, just the whispers, the grapevine, what you're hearing through the grapevine. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what it means. Uh, so that's that's what people are talking about in the mining industry. Apparently, rainy season in China is coming to an end, and the uh, cheap power that the rainy season provides is is coming to an end as well. So these miners have to unplug and try to find new homes for those miners. I mean, that's a known thing. That happens every year. Yes. Shout out to the Three Gorges Dam for not breaking. It's something we, uh, we fear-mongered about earlier. Only you, you know, fear-mongered about it, Marty. I tried to bet you, and you wouldn't take that bet. So, well, yeah, it's like a bad bet to let take. the record you show. Record, <laughs> stamp it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's currently 52,503 transactions in Clark Moody's mempool. Uh, pending fees. This is oh, in the mempool, not next block. Duh. 7.51 Bitcoin and pending fees. Uh, predicted next block uh, has over a Bitcoin worth of fees, though. Uh, the reward is predicted to be 7.42 Bitcoin. So one point. The fee FOMO uh, has begun. 1.17 Bitcoin in fees. 15.76% of the total reward. I'd like to see that stack go up. Uh, still, though, if you want to send a transaction with a one sat per byte fee and you're willing to wait a week, it seems that you can do that. Presumably. Willing to wait a, we don't know presumably. for sure. We'll only find out in a week if there are people who try to send one sat per byte transactions and, and did so successfully. Right now, according to Clark's dashboard, uh, you can send, if you're willing to wait a day, a transaction for two sats a byte. Uh, we have the weekend coming up. Uh, so if you're if you're lower time preference, maybe wait for that. Immediate next block sat per byte recommendation per the dashboard is 135 sats. Uh, I mean, it's cleared every weekend uh, this year, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. If it doesn't clear this weekend, then maybe. What will be interesting to see is how the uh, the transaction congestion around BitMEX daily withdrawal changes. Well, obviously it's less because there's less, way less yeah. volume. Yeah, how does that affect the the fee market, though? Is that a noticeable I don't think, I mean, that's in... more on the daily cycle, right, than the... Yeah, yeah. In the weekly cycle, I could really I, the daily cycle matters less to me. Uh, yes. It was kind of annoying if you needed to send a transaction like 15 minutes after Bitmax sent out their transactions, though. Uh, unspent capacity on Samurai Whirlpool up above 1600 Bitcoin, 1625.53. Yeah, Bitcoin we've been sitting kind of stagnant up there for a bit, waiting for that pop up yeah. over 17 again. Yeah. Um, Worth yeah, noting that the that. USD value of that unspent capacity has gone up tremendously, though. That is true. That is true. It is currently sitting at... Oh, it doesn't have the USD value. Um, yeah, it does. Unspent value. Oh, 21.4 million. There you go. Point. Look, Clark, I know your dashboard enough that I'm not even looking at it. He does have it. Uh, yeah, that's all we got for the dashboard. we got a long list today. Uh, very bullish week from a price perspective. Obviously, we we broke through eleven thousand, then twelve thousand, and now uh, sitting at thirteen thousand. We passed my market buy number. So now, did. if you've and been holding that against me, and you have no personal responsibility whatsoever, and you've been blaming me for that market buy being underwater this whole time, then you should sell and get the fuck out of here. And the rest of us will continue stacking sats. <laughs> I like I like that recommendation. Uh, two pretty interesting price stats that I saw this week. I saw somebody tweet out. I don't have the exact tweet right in front of me, uh, but ninety eight percent of all Bitcoin buys in Bitcoin's lifetime are uh, in the black. Uh, people are in profit off their buys, and then it's just those like people good. in like the the thirty days of December seventeen that are that are underwater. Yes, yes. Sorry, Dave Portnoy. Uh, our friend Alpha Zeta well, actually had a really good... lost his fucking coin anyway, so... I, I think he'll find it. I have faith, Dave. Reach out. Uh, our boy Alpha Zeta, he posted a really good tweet. I really like, uh, especially if any of you freaks are out there, like, oh, I can I can fucking time the market. Don't worry about it. He has a list of the top 10 best weeks for Bitcoin since 2011. 
if you missed only three weeks, which represents less than 3% of total time period that Bitcoin has been operational, your returns would be a couple orders of magnitude worse. Uh, basically, what he's trying to get at there is that you should uh, just hold dollar cost average in. Don't try to time the market and trade. Uh, Bitcoin tends to uh, increase significantly in short amount of times. For example, the, the biggest weekly return Bitcoin has seen was in February of 2014. It increased by 432% in one week, 433%. I mean, after That's pretty crazy. Taking a fucking dive. I mean, I, I think I think most people that thought that it could outtrade the market and weren't humble got fucking wrecked on March 12th, unfortunately. Um, so so at least in the short term, I feel like most uh, participants in this market have learned their lesson. Um, you know, back in my day, back in our day, we used to have to walk uphill both ways. But now in Cash App, you have this auto daily stack, which is like fucking cool as fuck i don't know like i don't i don't i can't put my finger on it but if i think the word i feels is productive when you just see that i've had the auto stack daily set up for a couple fucking months now and it's just so cool and i set it so that it it um front runs everyone waking up in america so at like (laughs) 5 a.m it 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 auto stacks every day and it's just it's just such a great thing to wake up to. Your productive sat farming. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of productive productive sat farming, if you're gonna produce a perfect segue for our ad reads, you guys should go check out the Cash App. As Matt mentioned, you can stack sats daily. Maybe you should try to front run our boy Matt O'Dell. He's stacking daily at five AM East Coast time. We need you freaks to get out there and set your daily buys for four thirty AM. Front run Matt Odell in his daily sack. If you want to stack only weekly, if you don't want to stack daily, you want to extend your DCA a little bit and and do less buys overall, you can stack weekly. Or you can stack bi-weekly every two weeks. You can't can't choose when you stack. It's it's when you set it up is set up on that purpose. So, like, if you want to front run me, you're going to have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning and set it up at 4.30 in the morning, just an FYI. Who's going to be more productive sat farmer? That's the question out there. Cash App is letting you farm sats automatically. Uh, and we're saying sats, 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 sats. You can make sats the standard. Uh, any of you new freaks out there, we've had a lot of downloads recently. If you think that you have to buy a whole Bitcoin, that's not true. You can buy a fraction of Bitcoin. A Bitcoin is divisible by 100 million units known as Satoshis, and you could stack those sats via the Cash App on top of that. You can stack stonks if you want to. I'm not going to the stonks spiel today. I don't need to. Another cool thing that Cash App has <laughs> is their their boost program. Don't and stack I just the saw stonks. a tweet from them. It's gonna be it's gonna be too late for you freaks by the time this episode airs. But they just did a 99% boost up to fifty dollars for for a 20 minute period. I saw. So if you follow them on Twitter, Cash App sometimes sends out these really insane deals. You could have uh, you could have spent what. Ninety-nine percent of fifty. If you spend fifty cents, Cash App has um, revolutionized buying engagement on Twitter. This is true. Uh, and what else do they have? They're becoming a new bank. If you uh, want to direct deposit your paychecks into the Cash App, you can do that uh, because they're offering account numbers and routing numbers. So you you can just cut out the traditional banks. You, you you're sick of the blood money that coming out of HSBC, Wells Fargo, and all those corrupt banks. Cash App doesn't seem to be corrupt yet so you can you can use them as your bank on top of that 
make sure you use the code stacking sats when you download the cash app because you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at owls lacrosse that's owls lacrosse with an o w l s use the code stacking sats download the cash app today and then after you do that go check out our good friends at unchained capital Unchained Capital just released actually a great blog post about a liquor store in Minneapolis that has actually been stacking Bitcoin for quite a while. And I, I believe they talked about Unchained Capital's services, which uh, are Bitcoin first services with uh, excuse me security uh, and multi-sig in mind. So they have a concierge white glove service. If you're one of those new freaks out there who's listening to this podcast for the first time, like, hey, I want to buy Bitcoin. I want to buy a considerable amount of Bitcoin. Um, but I'm not, uh, and I want to self custody, but I, I need a little hand holding. Our our boys, our friends, there's women at Unchained, our, our boys and our girls at Unchained Capital are here to to help our hold men your and hand. ladies. Our men and ladies, they're going to give you a concierge white glove service. They're going to hold your hand for fifteen hundred dollars minus fifty dollars if you tell them to uh, TFTC TFTC sent you. You're going to get fifty dollars off, and they're going to set you up. They're going to have many video calls with you to answer any questions you may have about multi-sig, teach you about multi-sig, get you comfortable. Uh, they're going to they're gonna buy you hardware wallets if you need them, send them to you, help you set up those wallets, set up the multi-sig quorum, and then they're going to dump $1,000 of Bitcoin into your vault. Um, so go check them out at www.unchained-capital.com. We're going to link specifically to their White Glove Concierge uh, product. If they dump a the thousand, you get $1,000 if you use our code? No, you get $50 off, and it becomes a $1,450 package, a 1000 of which gets dumped got it, into got your it. vault. Yes. So we're going to link to that. Go check them out. Shout out to all of our friends at Unchained Capital doing incredible work, not only on the product side, but on the education side. Go check out their blog posts. Which dog was that? Did you that? see my shake my finger at the, at the dog before she barked at me? Yeah. She did not like that bar, that, that finger wag. <laughs> Freaks, I just want I want to let you know that that was not a coordinated. Marty dropped the ad on me there. That wasn't coordinated. The auto stacking does feel very good. Yes. I mean, that was a genuine comment. Seg- this is this is part of the business. You provide a segue. Yeah. It, you got to take advantage of it, you know? It's true. And we got it out before 15 minutes into the podcast. Yeah, that's good. That I don't like when we when we drop it on the later end. And true. Uh big list today. What should we talk about first? I'll let you. We got to talk about the vulnerabilities. We every every week, Marty. Vulnerabilities go first. You got to front load the okay. vulnerabilities. Okay, we're front loading vulnerabilities. One of which I didn't even realize existed. Everyone was to too fucking bullish this week to talk about these two pretty big lightning vulnerabilities. They just all flew under the radar. Everyone was just going going crazy. Yeah, can you blame them? I mean, no, especially since it's kind of it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the vulnerabilities. Um, yeah, so let's go over the first one. The first one was, uh, but the important thing is neither was exploited. No, neither was exploited. But they can still but... be exploited if you haven't updated. So make sure you're up. This is L and D only, and make sure you're updated to version zero point eleven point zero at least. Yes. 0.11. As long as you're updated to that, you, you'll be good. So make sure that's the case. Okay, Marty, continue. Yes, but every version before that is susceptible Correct. to these two 
these two uh, CV bugs. Uh, so are they zero days? We had this conversation. I forget the definition of yes. zero day. Yes. So they've been they've been lingering in the protocol since it launched. Uh, luckily, I believe. Shout out to our boy Antoine Riard. You're not going to find him on Twitter. You're not going to find him on social media. He just he just lingers in IRC and on the Bitcoin Dev and Lightning mailing list and and solves problems, big problems to help strengthen the network. I believe he found the second bug that we're going to talk about. Correct. Uh, the first one was disclosed by. Forgot. Oh wait! No, no the first both. one was him. The, s- the first one was Antoine. The second one was. No, they were both. They were, yeah, they were both. They're both. Antoine. They were both him. Yeah. What a fucking boss! Yeah, dude could just um, fucking single-handedly take down the Lightning Network. <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't. What, what a good. And then man. he doesn't. He, he doesn't go on. Uh, he doesn't go on social media, and. Uh, and brag about finding these bugs either just head down hard hat on helping fix the network uh so the first one a malicious peer could force an lnd node to accept a high s ecdsa signature when updating new off-chain states uh though the signatures are valid according to consensus rules the mempool policy would reject transactions containing high s values potentially leading to loss of funds if time sensitive transactions cannot be relayed and confirmed we have no evidence of the bug being exploited in the wild uh so it affects all classes of LND nodes, routing, merchant, mobile, et cetera. The vulnerability was purported privately by Antoine. Uh, so this so was that, point nine and below. So this one was ac- was incidentally patched by point ten. That's good. Yeah. That's good that it was incidentally patched. Um so the second bug prior to version zero point one one point zero beta, an L and D node could be coerced into revealing an invoice premiage for a forwarded HTLC with a colliding payment hash. This can be exploited to, number one, weaken the victim's receiver privacy by confirming the destination of an HTLC or, and or, number two, under certain circumstances, result in the loss of funds to the victim by believing the invoice was paid when it only received routing fees. We have no evidence of either case being exploited in the wild. Affects all routing nodes, any L&D node that permits HTLC forwarding and operates as any form of merchant node accepts payment for goods and services, uh, nodes that use reject HTLC equals one are not affected. The average Again. man's explanation here is that Lightning is supposed to be a network where you don't have to trust your routing peers. But in this case, with both of these bugs, if you had a malicious peer, they could siphon funds from your node. Unfortunately, neither yes. was exploited. But this is scary shit for people that run Lightning nodes. Yes, this is why... If you haven't listened to our episode with Yossi Yeager yet, I think he makes a very compelling case to only create private channels with people that you trust for the time being to help mitigate the chances of these potential exploits being exploited. Or you can just run reckless. I mean, we haven't we haven't had any funds lost yet, <laughs> for what it's worth. Us personally, or just... I mean, uh, us, a, us personally, we're yeah. currently between the two of us, we're running four nodes, I believe, right? Yes, correct. Um, and we haven't had funds lost yet. Uh, I haven't heard of any... I mean, opening and closing channels haphazardly has lost me lots of funds, but I, I mean from like a malicious peer or something like that. And I, we haven't heard of anyone who's had that happen to them. And I, I think as someone who is 
you know, some people consider me very technical, but less technical than our peers. Uh, the easiest way for me to understand things like this is to just fucking, you know, put funds at risk and see what happens. So I, I am, I am impressed that funds haven't been lost yet. There is, there is a silver lining in, in that regard. And, and it's, a, it's, it's nice how, you know, quickly this was handled and patched and responsibly disclosed. Yes. Shout out to Antoine, our boy. Uh, and there's another silver lining. They're finding these bugs and patching them. So hopefully makes the network stronger overall. Uh, there's a weird thing here where like, I feel like no one wants to talk about it, but let's talk about it. Um, with both layer two, Bitcoin layer twos, uh, networks, uh, liquid and lightning. I feel like the short term killer app use case, uh, is basically interoperable custody payments, custodial payments, um, to different degrees, like on different levels. Uh, basically you can have like all these different little trust models of, of custody, um, and they can interoperable there. They can operate between each other easily. You can send between each other's wallets. And the main thing that's holding that back is regulatory, which is easy to get frustrated about that. But then you have to remember that the whole reason Bitcoin exists is because that regulatory friction exists in the first place. Because if we could just have frictionless payments between people, we wouldn't need censorship resistance. This is true. So what are they worried about just being labeled money transmitters? Well, like, cause, having to like yeah, I mean, anyone who holds custody is easy to regulate. Right. So Lightning tries to get around that um, through their model. Right. Liquid kind of just adopts it. They just own it. But they like pretend they don't. And I think they don't talk about it because of regulatory reasons. But it's it's like quasi custody. It's just custody among a plurality of 16 signers. Right. Federation members who yeah. are geographically dispersed between differing uh, regulatory jurisdictions, but as we found with BitMEX, the U.S. does not care. Right, but when you hear people with Lightning talking about like, oh, you should just be opening channels with people you trust or like large routing nodes, like a single private channel with like a large routing node with a good reputation, you know, you start getting into this kind of semi-custodial relationship as well. Um, Why would that be custodial? Because you're, you're stepping a channel, because they're insinuating they're insinuating that you're reducing your risk because instead of trusting a bunch of people, you're having one big channel with like a bit refill and you're just trusting them, but we can trust them because they're bit refill. But if we're trusting them, then it's like kind of a semi custodial relationship. Uh, I, I'm not saying fully custodial, right? But I'm I, there's like it's there's something there, right? It's like a different. It's obviously a different trust model than on-chain Bitcoin. Um, and especially, like, I, we're going to talk about the updates to Breeze and Phoenix in here. Love them, the you know. Breeze update seems pretty dope. But both of those models, great that they're not custodial. They do have certain trust elements where you're trusting those centralized third parties. And then if you Zero look pounds. at two of the most popular lightning wallets, they're just straight up custodial, right? That's blue wallet and wallet of Satoshi. They're just straight up mm -hmm. custodial. So, and like tipping dot me, 
Uh, so, so there, there's, and no one really talks about it because regulators are quick to hit the custodians, right? And we're gonna, we have a story in here about um, the Bitcoin mixer guy, Helix mixer, and he got hit by FinCEN because he's a he's a custodian. They go after the custodians. It's like the and Bitmax, they go after the. But wasn't custodians. he like? Wasn't he marketing to criminals though? That's always, you know, like a questionable thing because they'll almost always authorities will almost always say that but in his case uh in his case they he he literally integrated into alpha bay so yeah i think that goes past marketing that's just it's it's just it was straight up integrated with the dark market just buy your drugs in person people but the point is they go after custodians right that's always that's always the like the weak point. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our problems would be easier if you didn't have to worry about that. But that's exactly why Bitcoin exists in the first place. Yes, no, I agree. <sighs> I mean, we just found out what Bitmax they just got murked pretty hard. So we we shall see how how this progresses. And we uh, Adam Saltis, uh, the developer behind Coinos, he he basically told us like yeah i'm gonna have to depend on people creating um personal servers to keep this going because i don't want the the regulatory risk of being labeled a custodian so we shall see speaking of custodians would you consider paypal custodian now paypal has always been a custodian that's what people don't realize and and why i think you know not your keys not your coins and self-custody is so important with bitcoin before bitcoin there was no concept of self custody, even even something like cash. Other than cash, no, no. We we've talked about this before. The only thing is physical gold, um, or as Godfrey say, in in specie, which I never knew was a thing. I like that term, in specie. If if mm-hmm. except for physical gold, there's no such thing as or other physical metal. There was no such thing as self custody because even cash, you know. I, I, is Bills this, can be labeled like old and defunct. Yeah, it's like a centralized ledger, right? So you can have like India where they say like all the bills over a hundred dollars isn't isn't valid anymore, and then you know it doesn't matter that you that you hold the bills. So Bitcoin transforms that um, and makes that possible all of a sudden. But before that, especially all these digital payments and stuff, like they're all custodial by default. Yes point i was trying to make though is oh, like, yeah apologies are people getting access to bitcoin on paypal at all like no, but just, no. yeah they're bitcoin ious yeah. we've called this on this pod exactly if you're a freak you've known about this like a lot of people are saying that paypal is the reason for this pump i don't think that's really the reason but if you want to believe it's the reason for the pump you should thank us because we told you about it like in june right they got to compete yeah, it was. The, we at heard least, rumors at least on a narrative too. perspective. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so free freaks who are unaware have been living under a rock this week. PayPal announced that they're uh, gonna let their users, over three hundred and fifty million of which around the world, I believe, uh, purchase and sell cryptocurrencies via PayPal. Uh, I believe they have plans to integrate it into Venmo as well. And next year, uh, they're gonna allow merchants to accept cryptocurrency it's not only bitcoin it's bitcoin cash litecoin ethereum a bunch of others that's it uh yeah those four it's those four because it's paxos mm-hmm. they just partnered with paxos okay. and paxos supports those 
That makes sense. Um, but you're not going to be able to take control of your. You can't withdraw your. And I, I don't even. You might be able to deposit, but I don't think you can deposit. I would be surprised if you can. Um, and then yeah, so you can't even send between users yet. It's the Robinhood like model. But like it's a little different in that like if you have a PayPal account in which you own Bitcoin next year, you'll be able to spend that Bitcoin at PayPal merchants. Potentially. Yeah. But so yeah, so it's the Robinhood plus PayPal credits or something where you can pay. Yeah. Yeah, you pay point of sale systems. I didn't even realize there was PayPal point of sale systems. And in yeah, I mean they've been getting their ass kicked by by both uh, Stripe and Square. Shout out Square. Um, I, I, I disclaimer sponsor. Yeah, disclaimer. Heavy disclaimer. I think I think look the 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 P two P payments market um, is tight as fuck. Yeah, I do that in air quotes P two P because it's not really P two P, but like the Venmos and the Cash apps where you send money between each other. They they all have to do lo- no fee or low fee because that's how they compete. So then their only way to monetize is either selling user data, um, or or like trying to to make money on the holdings. Like if someone has like four hundred dollars in the app, then they like rehypothecate that and make money off of that. Because um, a lot of people just have like phantom holdings. So they saw Cash App just like fucking go hard on investments. This is like. So, so my guess is that this isn't really a Bitcoin crypto play. This is an investments play. So we see them like add stocks and, and maybe like gold and stuff like that as investments on the side uh, that you can make in your PayPal wallet in addition to it. So it's, I think it's more of an investments play. And in that case, it's super easy to just take like 1%, 2% off the top. Like people are cool with that. Um, even though we use Robinhood as an example and Robinhood takes no fee and just sells all their user data. It's like super... Super user hostile yeah. monetization over there. So is this bullish? May not have Everything's been the reason for, for the. This is true. All right, just one. Just need to make sure. Need to confirm. It's bullish, but like people it... that are, you know, you, you have to get like the prop. Like no one should buy Bitcoin on PayPal. And no, it's and no, it's going to be not. it's going to be negative for users who get like tricked into it. And we see this, you know, people well, in Robinhood. I have people in my DMs like, "Hi, oh, I bought a bunch right. of Bitcoin on Robinhood. How do I get to my?" my wallet i'm like ah, and people in our bubble you. people in our bubble would say like oh like a user would never think they could withdraw on robin hood they would know better but they don't they have no idea no. it's fucked up because dms to prove it it's fucked up because they never like they conceptually can't imagine taking custody of a digital asset because that like we just said earlier like bitcoin changed that right the bitcoin created that for the first time so conceptually they don't even think that's a possibility so they go and and they get suckered into it and they don't even really have bitcoin and the worst case scenario is a situation where you know you we actually have like a rip your face off run and there there's no bitcoin there like the person doesn't have to go actually cash and then bitcoin. buy bitcoin someone else if you actually like imagine that like it rips and you have to sell that pay the taxes on that and then try to buy or not even that what happens if they don't have the bitcoin what happens if like a bunch of businesses go out of business like they're not FDIC insured. Like it could happen. Yeah. And there, there's another layer of uh, trust in that model of Paxos. Like what a Paxos, something happens to Paxos. I mean, I think uh, that's almost, if they're actually using Paxos and they actually are custodying Bitcoin on the back end, that's better than Robinhood's model. Robinhood's model, and I'm pretty sure Revolut's model is like they're just using derivatives to like hedge their risk. 
yeah. which is way more dangerous. Yeah, I would not. I would not trade on Robin Hood. I don't know about Revolt too much. Well, that it's Revolut. First of all, we Revolut. went over this last week. I, I and I think they're Europe only. Maybe they came to America. I think they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's bullish. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. Like that helps. It, it it's definitely a credibility thing. It it definitely boosts exactly. credibility. Um, yeah, there's a. I've had a bunch of uh, aunts, uncles, cousins. Like, oh my god, PayPal's letting you buy Bitcoin. I think Venmo's almost bigger for our peer group. Yes. For the older peer group, though. I know. People are like, oh, Bitcoin's legit now. PayPal's letting you buy it. Right. But, I mean, for our age group, they all have Venmo installed, at least in the Northeast. They should have Cash App, freaks. But but you have to, like, show them Cash App, and they replace, they, like, add it next to Venmo. They already have Venmo. Yes. I still have Venmo. Yeah. have to interact with it every once in a while. But yeah, if you're talking like better product, Cash App lets you send sats off the app into your own personal custody. Also, there's you send them through, there's a narrative. Say, you can set up through Whirlpool oh, too. Yeah, straight into Whirlpool. On my I what I my on my KYC accumulation strategy right now is I auto stack daily, then weekly I I smelt it in Whirlpool and then I secure it like every month. So like I let it go in Whirlpool for a little bit. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, there's a narrative going on that Cash App didn't have withdrawals enabled to begin with. Cash App always had withdrawals enabled. Uh, they didn't have deposits enabled initially. Which, like, I'm cool with. Like, to this day, Swan doesn't let you sell. Like, I, I love the idea of a service that's just a purely an on-ramp. They just, like, there's no... There's, you, just, you just automatically buy and just automatically withdraw, and you just can never sell. You have to sell with Fine. someone else. We don't sell Bitcoin. We create the floor, find somewhere else to sell that shit. Completely cool with that. But if you don't allow withdrawals, that's user hostile and fucked up. Yes, I agree. Uh, fun week. Speaking of bullish news, our boy Paul fucking on Squawk Box today. You think he was Is that jealous? the most bullish two-minute clip you've seen? You think he was jealous of Sailor? I don't even think Sailor's on his on his radar. He's, like another billionaire was coming shit. in and just taking all his Bitcoin thunder. He's like, I got to go on CNBC and show the corn again. No, I mean, I think CNBC was like, hey, we need to get Tudor on. <laughs> we had him on in June talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin's had this price run. Very flattering words from Paul Tudor Joan towards the, the Bitcoin community. He loves the podcast. He was, bes- he was bes- he, yeah, he said it on the side. He texted me and said, hey, Marty, you're one of the Bitcoiners that besieged me after, after my initial announcement. And uh, you're one of the really, really sophisticated uh, people in the space. Direct, direct text. Stay humble, Marty. <laughs> it actually happened. Uh, no, I think all jokes aside, uh, again, another confirmation similar to Sailor. Uh, seems that I'm not not our content particularly. I don't think. No, he didn't mention Tales from the Crypt at all. No, no, but I think the grassroots, <laughs> user generated educational content from everybody in the space is working. Uh, he, his explanation, Hasu, our boy Hasu tweeted out today, he really distilled the value prop of Bitcoin uh, in relation to the other inflation hedge assets like gold, bonds, whatever it may be, beautifully, in which a lot of those, or all of Bitcoin's competition uh, in an inflation hedge perspective 
are basically short human ingenuity and uh they're, they're basically saying they're they're betting on failure whereas bitcoin has a sound money as well as a distributed protocol that can be built out provides an optimistic hedge against this inflation this bullish on humanity bullish on humanity very bears uh, very on our eloquent. current systems but bullish on humanity yes it is uh i agree with what hasu said i think that was like the most concise and one of the most bullish comments it was all right. on bitcoin uh, really it was no it, i mean i loved it paul killed it it was great i i he's our boy our boy yeah i uh I mean, I think it's twofold. I think Bitstein channels it well that the engagement's addicting. Like on Twitter, like we just Bitstein's Bitstein's video today, chopping that up with the bulls. Oh, I didn't see that pregame yet. music. Oh my gosh, if you, you got to watch it. Uh, Probably, I got all jacked up. Freaks, uh, go check it out. Bits, we are we are lucky to have Michael Goldstein in our in our ranks. Bits- he is. A genius. Bitstein has channeled has channeled in the past, which is just like Bitcoiners. Like we just shower Twitter engagement on people that talk about it, and we've seen that uh, with Sailor. We've seen that with Paul Tudor Jones. That's what he was actually talking about in the CNBC interview, where he was he was like, "It's just amazing, like how many people care about Bitcoin," and and what he really meant to say was like, he his mentions got blown the fuck up as soon as he started talking about Bitcoin, and then the third thing is. It even affects CNBC, right? We have like a small 5% bump and CNBC is like the, the next morning at prime time, we need to have a Bitcoin segment and then we need to immediately cut it up. We need to put it in an article format on the website and we need to put it on Twitter in video, that full the- video on Twitter, right? They had a four minute video on Twitter of the whole segment right away. Why? Because they knew our engagement was going to fucking shower on them. So I saw a tweet like 10 minutes before the segment, like Twitter's going to be on. On Squawk Box, so I turn on. I never watch CNBC. I turned my it dad on. watches every morning, and my brother is staying. My wife and I, and we watch it together. Even he, he gets Bitcoin. He's into it, but not as focused as I am on it. And he was like, "Whoa, dude, that was fucking bullish." And like you said, they had that clipped and on the website quicker than any segment, super quick, like ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, Bitcoin drives engagement. That's actually. Going back to Michael Goldstein, he had an incredible tweet today. It's, I believe it was yesterday, actually. Like Bitcoin haters love the Twitter engagement more than they love the gains from Bitcoin over time. I think alluding to that Keith McCullough dude yeah, has been shitting the, on Bitcoin since quad 2013. Four. Quad 4 guy. <laughs> what the fuck is Quad 4? I don't know, but he loves the engagement. He fucking loves it. He had he had Raul Paul on, uh, and he had no, th- Sailor on. Sailor on, right? He had both of them on to talk about Bitcoin. Uh, while he was shitting on it just because the engagement was so fucking nice. And then afterwards, he even put out a tweet that was like, I bought a little Bitcoin here. Like, like nibbling on some Bitcoin here because he just loves it. It's just these guys don't get this kind of engagement otherwise. It is addicting. Uh, on a really uh, like tangential, super bullish note, I just wanted to say mad respect to Michael Saylor. He has the Saylor Academy that I found out about this week mm-hmm. uh, where he just provides free education to people. That's fucking baller. Yeah, he's, got, he's got a C++ class. So if you're looking to get into... He's got like Bitcoin 150 classes on there for free. Yeah. Uh, he's adding Austrian economics. I believe I saw him tweet out. And Bitcoin science. Um, yes. This is uh, very bullish. But bringing it back to our boy Paul. 
Another thing I thought was interesting that he said particularly was he's a macro investor. He's never tried to stock pick particular stocks to to ride, right. but he likened investing in Bitcoin being like, hey, this, this makes me feel like this is the first time I've ever picked like a tech stock and uh, <laughs> it feels like I'm getting in on Apple in the early days with Steve Jobs and just because of the excitement and again, the, the optimistic vision of the future that Bitcoiners and Bitcoin, the protocol specifically, uh, can can bring to light and illuminate. Uh, so shout out to Paul, our boy Paul. Paul, cheers to you. You can stop texting me. You can stop texting me. You can, we can do this this face video, and we can we can do a podcast. So if you're out there, uh, your southern twang would really kill it in audio form only. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's just been texting you nonchalantly, but he won't come on the podcast. Yeah, he's a, he's a little shy, you know. Fucking yeah, uh, he got. He got besieged by Bitcoiners uh, when he first made the announcement. He's a little, little nest, a little nervous. I wonder know? who our next billionaire is going to be. We got two down now. Jack Dorsey. Do you see Pierre's just going for them? Oh yeah, we had Dorsey, Dorsey already too. Uh, Pierre's like no, going for. Uh, uh, I believe Elon said he had point two five BTC. He was going for Google. Like oh, Elon's got a bag. I mean, motherfuckers posting Doge memes. Like, you don't post Doge memes without a big bag of Bitcoin. But Elon's probably, you know, he's self-custodying and he doesn't want to talk about it. Agreed. Well, actually, tangential, sort of tangential, Skynet will actually be huge for Bitcoin mining in in remote places. So, Elon, if you're listening... Let's get Skynet like fully, fully developed so mining in oil fields becomes wait, wait, wait. easier. Are you talking about like his internet thing? Yes. Is it Sky? Is it Starnet? Starnet. Starlink. Excuse me. Skynet like, is like from the Terminator. The Terminator. Yeah. Oh God, was that a Freudian slip? <laughs> I don't know. I I was like, did he really have the balls to come up with a product named Skynet? No. Yeah. My bad. Starlink's Starlink. getting a lot of shit from like people who like looking at the sky. Yeah, but I don't notice it when I'm looking up at the stars, though. Like, I think it's people just have, like, time-lapse cameras. Yeah, I don't I know. I mean, I like the idea of of, of global high-speed internet. I um, do as well. I, I, I hope he doesn't fuck up the skies too much, though. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, I don't want regulation to stop him. No. And if it gets too... If it gets too annoying, Bitcoin continues to appreciate in price. We can just take them down, one at a time. Just start shooting down the the satellite. <laughs> just start, yeah. Let's go like let's we'll go like low low orbit. Probably have lasers by then. Just start taking them out. Well, you're gonna have to try and protect your own so that you still have internet for your node. This is true. It gets dicey pretty quickly. It's a big problem to so think about freaks. Start thinking about them now. No, the Paul Tudor Jones thing was extremely bullish. I'm trying to – everyone this week has just been talking about how I was going to come out too bullish and then we were going to dump because of it. So I'm like trigger shy and have PTSD and I don't know what to do, freaks, because I am bullish. But like I'm scared to be bullish. Like like, I I didn't tweet between October 17th and October 21st while we were pumping because I just wanted to make sure we got past the fucking (laughs) – I wanted to make sure we got past the – the Bitcoin 2019 call. And I, I believe in jinxes because they're science. I believe in jinxes too. Uh, I have not jinxed the price yet. I don't think so. I think we're so, past jinxes. 
I think I, I think we're post jinx now on me. I think I made it past. If we dump, it's it's not my fault anymore. I can try to express bullishness for you if you if you would like. I think it's. I think my bullishness is priced inappropriately now. Okay, okay, this is good. Freaks, if you're not bullish, I mean, I know your freaks are are bullish, but my nips are hard. It's uh, it feels feels like things I felt before. Uh, the market is doing things that I like to see. Uh, it feels like it's time. Primed. The geopolitical situation, the macro situation. Are you macro uh, aware? Edu- Are you macro aware? What about your quad four? That a, <laughs> yeah, that's another you take your quad? Keith McCullough fucking comment. But even that, just the energy around Bitcoin. I actually went to a dinner last night somebody in the financial world talk about great American mining and they were even up to snuff like, yo, this is going to happen. It just makes sense. So, and they were macro feels. aware. Yes. They were very macro aware. If you're not bullish, you're not paying attention. We should hit the freaks with the shout outs. We have some good ones this week. I only I know say, one, but it's good. What do you think? Do you think I'm going to get through it? Yeah. You got it. Let's hit them with the good one for the one I know about first. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let me clear my throat and take a sip of of water here. Here we go. Heterocyclic compounds can be usefully classified based on their electronic structure. The saturated heterocycles behave like in acyclic derivatives. Thus, piperidine, piperidine, and tetrahydrofuran are conventional amines and ethers with modified steric profiles. Therefore, the study of heterocyclic chemistry focuses especially on unsaturated derivatives, and the preponderance of work and application involves unsaturated five- and six-membered rings. Included are pyridine, thiophene, pyrrol, and furon. Another large class of heterocycles refers to those fused to benzene rings. For example, the fused benzene analogs of pyridine, thiophene, pyrrol, and furon are quinoline, benzothiophene, indol, and benzofuran, respectively. The fusion of two benzene rings gives rise to a third large family of compounds. Analogs of the previously mentioned heterocycles for this third family of compounds are acridine, dibenzothiophene, carbazole, carbazole, and dibenzofuran, respectively, from our good friend Vake. I appreciate that science lesson, Vic. I, d- I have no idea what it means. It was definitely not a lesson at all. I don't think anyone took anything from that. But thank you, Vic. I f- appreciate the troll. I f- yeah, I feel like uh, oh, I, just, I feel like Will Ferrell in old school. There, I just blacked out. What happened? <laughs> Here's a an uplifting shout out. I'm very happy for this one. Uh, this shout out is for my beautiful wife, John V. I know you donate. Oh, excuse me. I know you don't particularly love listening to all my Bitcoin talk, but thank you for your patience and generosity of spirit. I love you forever. You're my best friend. P.S. I'm totally going to be building a node in the living room. Frankie. Fuck yes. Frankie and John V. Frankie and John V. It sounds like you two have a beautiful relationship. I'm very excited to to see your node in your living room. Uh, It's good when when a married couple is best friends. It's, It's always nice to see. Just be, just be happy that it's not a, a minor in the living room, because that gets really fucking noisy. 
and hot and expensive. Uh, <clears throat> this one's for you, Matt, from our friends at the Auburn Citadel. Matt, please tell all the freaks to mark by at new all-time high. Peace from the Auburn Citadel. I, everyone should just market sell. Market sell everything. Don't buy Bitcoin. We're going down. Well, you got to wait till the all-time high. So you're actually being, they bought the shout out, which I think is able to buy a future action from yourself. Oh, they don't you mean they don't to... mean the local all-time high? They mean like the actual all-time no. high? Yes, yes. Are we going by the Forbes chart where it said it was like 14.1 or something? Or are we going to go by the actual all-time high of 19,000? I think we go actual. The reason I ask I is the... because at 14 and a half, I'll probably be like, completely reasonable but at like 20 i'm just going to be shouting from the rooftops market by market by market by so it doesn't really matter how many bottles of champagne so many bottles i'm gonna the bottles won't start popping still till like 30k though matt has a all-time high champagne uh tradition it wasn't really a tradition i mean it was just a <laughs> a very long december <clears throat> Uh, and the Auburn Citadel bought two shout-outs this week. Shout-out to the Auburn Citadel for purchasing two Cheers, Citadels. Cheers, guys. We appreciate you. Two shout-outs. You could have done this in one shout-out, but you decided to do it in two. And here goes the second one. Also from the Auburn Citadel. And that was a wild bird sound. Wow, we appreciate you. I love you guys. All the freaks. Um, Thank you, guys. Love all y'all. If you, any of you want to contribute, or excuse me, buy a shout out, go to tftc.io slash contribute. We love these. We love you. It adds a fun aspect to the podcast. And uh, you can make me say stupid shit. I'll say penis 50 times if you want me to. I wonder if we'll get hit with like a cease and desist by that horrible textbook company for you reading the science textbook passage on air. Was it? Did you like, did you search? It's got to, I didn't search it. What was I supposed to type in? I don't know what you said. I have no idea what I said. It was either. definitely a science textbook. Motherfucker sent you a science textbook excerpt. Well, Vake is a doctor. He may memorize that off the top oh, of his head. Oh, that's true. We He's definitely know. just sitting there with a the patient and just starts says that shit. Yes. Well, you should know. All right, back to the list. Coinbase dropped a transparency report on the 16th, which is six days ago at this point. It was right after uh, RHR. Yes. It was the uh, day was of a... RHR. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was, because we recorded on Friday. No, oh yes, we did record on Friday. Because Gosh. I felt bad, because I shat on Brian Armstrong, who deserved to be shat on. This I commended him on this. This is a this is a good sign to see this. I uh, I appreciated him releasing this. Um, up until this point, Kraken is the only company in the space that has been releasing them, uh, and I th I think it's really important because it sheds a light on how much information is being requested from these companies. Yes. Got to give props where props are due. Props to Coinbase for putting this out. And for you freaks who are wondering exactly what it is, the transparency report of all the information requests from the different uh, law enforcement agencies and regulatory agencies. Looking at it, it looks like just the U.S. No, particularly. No, it, or not HSI. They break out. They break out the U.S. because the U.S. like dominates requests by far. It's crazy. We, we're uh, world police. If you haven't right? seen Team America, go watch it. It's a documentary. And it's insane. Are we the land of the free, dude? Oh. Like, so are we the land of the free? The U.S. leads 
the request for customer information from Coinbase by 3x or almost 3x. Two and a two and two thirds X. Dude, the Swedes aren't going after Bitmax. Right. So by country of origin, the US leads by far with one thousand one hundred and thirteen requests for information. UK's number two and four hundred and forty one. Germany's in third at one seventy six, then France in fourth at forty five, and then uh the rest of the request uh are all less than 20. And just from... shake my head at Luxembourg with their one request. Come on, Luxembourg. <laughs> Get it together. You too, Latvia. No, uh, I mean, it's a shame. It really sucks to see. And that, that uh, most of the regulations are stemming from our, us as well, right? Right. It's like, what does this say? Do we actually live in a free country? Do we? Look to tout it. Look, you know, we've had better days in my opinion. Most certainly, like what, like it is, like this report is ridiculous, and most of it's coming from the FBI, and these agencies don't even fucking catch the criminals that they should be catching. I'm not going to get into politics here. We easily could go into that, but we're not going to diverge into that. But it's becoming very obvious that some of these agencies cover for criminals, uh, and and so don't go after crimes they probably should be going after, and then hurt the little man uh, for, for doing stuff that is far less egregious than some of the largest crimes being perpetrated by powerful people around the world. So we, the bearish stat is that it's almost 2,000 requests, and it's not even a full year. It's a half a year. It's just 2020 up until the end of June. Um, the bullish interpretation is that they're mostly overwhelmingly criminal requests, which is kind of what you want to see. You want to see them going after criminal prosecutions, not just dragnet kind of requests. Um, even though I'm not sure if they're including the dragnet requests in this report, and who the who the, I can't trust Coinbase with this fucking shit. So I don't know. Like we just saw, like in the UK, um, they just did that massive. Like anyone over five thousand pounds. Uh, they want all their information uh, for their version of the IRS, like the HMRC or whatever. I, that can't be included here because it says the UK has only got 440 requests. Um, so, so who knows like what the non-law enforcement requests are? But besides both of those things, I just want to point something out here: is is we see these chain surveillance company CEOs? They tell us we don't identify individuals. We just put numbers on them, which, by the way, you know, I'm not going to say it, but putting numbers on people. I'll say it. I'll say it. Putting numbers on people has been pretty abhorrent throughout history. Thank you, Marty. Um, so they, they say like user 571 or whatever did these transfers oh, and they went through all these different transfers. And then and then the request goes to Coinbase and Coinbase gives them all the information that they need to know about who that user is. So it's just a little bit disjointed, but it's the same in practice. It's the same fucking thing. That's pretty disgusting and disturbing. How do you not have any self-awareness? You're going to label people with numbers. Just because it's digitally doesn't mean it's any different than what happened in history when these mechanisms didn't exist. It's fuck. Now I'm all pissed off. All right, we're already on. <laughs> this was supposed to be a positive story, angry. though. So, I mean, thank Just you, Coinbase, Coinbase, for releasing this. Yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, fuck you uh, to U.S. Uh, 
for not being as free as we should be. Like the DEA makes up ten percent of this. The drug war. End it. It doesn't make any sense. You can't have wars on abstract objects or abstract thoughts. That's a bad explanation, but the drug war is an abject failure. Give it up. I'm all pissed off. Now we're getting into, I mean, we mentioned it earlier, FinCEN find um, uh, the Helix. Is it Helix? Yeah. Yeah, Helix coin. Larry Harmon. They find them $60 million. Was this this the same guy? Yeah, because he got... He got arrested like earlier this year, and I guess they're not going to put him in jail. They're just going to fine him. Yeah. So, so he also, uh, what was? Uh, he had a he had a wallet. What was his wallet? Yeah, it was like based out of Ohio, Coin Ninja. Or something no, it was like a that? separate was wallet. Was it called Coin Ninja though? Uh, that had the custodial Coin- Lightning wallet. Yes, I think Coin Ninja was the parent company. Of these products, um, I want to. It was like it was like kind of getting big, uh, at the time, and it was it was. It was yeah, because remember, not trying to throw Peter under the bus. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to throw him under the bus, but yeah, he was the sponsor. This just, <laughs> Peter's. This is just reminding me of of that. Yes, that there was a wallet. Um, I forget what it was called though. Um, I think Coin Ninja is. Oh, drop it. Yes, drop it. So Coin Ninja was the parent company of of Drop It, and Drop It got pretty big because oh, and it was also a sponsor of the Bitcoin Magazine conference, uh, Bitcoin twenty nineteen. Um, good night, son. We just had good night to my son. We just had a little Bitcoiner come into the screen. Um, I. Uh, so, so drop it was getting pretty big, and it was it, it was a perfect explanation of of the dangers of custodial wallets, right? Because the lightning portion was custodial, the on chain portion was not custodial. So, when he got arrested and all of his funds got seized for something completely separate than drop it, if you had funds in the lightning wallet, you lost your money because it got seized. But if you had funds in the in the on chain portion, it was non custodial, so you could just transfer out. Um, but anyway, I would actually say. Like, I mean, like this guy was not, he legit integrated it into Alphabet. Uh like he says in the coin desk in the coin desk thing, Finn or excuse me, uh Harmon's family denied Larry had any ties to Alphabet. Okay, so I mean, who knows for sure like what happened there, but um I feel like Oh, so he also faces criminal proceedings in U.S. federal court. But I feel like if it's just a fine, like that's actually not as bad as you'd expect it to be. Um, but it's it it the last line seems pretty bad. Also faces criminal proceedings in U.S. federal court. So maybe they're about to jail him as well. Get your money and your life. We'll see. I mean, I don't want to jump to any conclusions here. Yeah, I don't uh, want to speculate either. So, but. Custodial privacy is not real privacy because of this reason. So that's like the number one thing you can take away from something like this. And this is this yes. is very different. And, and the government has said themselves um, and lobby groups and lawyers, uh, which I am not one, um, have said themselves that. And I think even the DOJ like made this clear in their 
um, their recent ridiculous 84-page uh, crypto framework thing, um, that they're treating custody, custodial mixers and custodians in general different than a, like a non-custodial coin join tool, which is oftentimes called Bitcoin mixing, but is completely different than something like this, which is with something like this, you literally were sending Larry your money, your Bitcoin, and he was sending you other Bitcoin, which actually has is better for privacy if you trust him, is better for privacy than any kind of coin join tools or anything. But it does have that custodial element, so it adds that additional regulatory um, risk. Agreed. And you mentioned <clears throat> the DOJ uh, report on digital currencies. We don't have it on the list, but I believe the EFF has come out and said that the the framework that DOJ put forth is actually probably not going to fly if it ever goes to the Supreme Court because it's uh, inhibits and encroaches on on individual privacy. Which is good to see the EFF recognizing this and oh, I mean, I love the stepping EFF. up to say something about it. Everyone should go support the EFF. I do every year. Um, but yeah, I didn't put that on the list because like, obviously it <laughs> encroaches on privacy. Like everything they do encroaches on privacy. But has the EFF like really commented on cryptocurrency particularly a lot? They actually don't really like love Bitcoin. They're like kind of lukewarm on it. Uh, yeah. it's kind of weird. I met one of their head guys, uh, when I was What's his beef? visiting HRF in San Francisco. Yeah, they're kind of lukewarm on it. Why? But they'll come around. Are you able to disclose why? I just, you know, I, I don't want to be offensive. I love them. I think the EFF is a very good organization, so I want to say that first and foremost. Um, very positive force for good and very important for all of us, so people should go support them. But I think, you know, I think they just... Uh, there's a lot of people stuck in like the old way of, you know, the older way of thinking. And they, they, they still think, you know, like Bitcoin is like criminal oriented. Hmm. We'll change your mind soon enough. EFF. Thank you for doing what you've done throughout the history of your organization and particularly coming out and speaking up on behalf of Bitcoiners after this DOJ report was released. Yeah, so That's I mean, I this yeah, is pretty think... positive, right? So this shows a positive yeah. inclination towards, towards Bitcoin. Yeah, that's what. But I, yeah, again, like I think this might be like the first major. I could be wrong. And also, CoinDesk know. has an has a tendency to switch anything that says Bitcoin to crypto, even though it's Bitcoin. Uh, CoinDesk, we see you. We know you do this. Uh, so, like the EFF might have said, like the Bitcoin framework. You know, like there's like they might come out, you know, in support of Bitcoin. But CoinDesk just changes every headline to crypto. If you like search well, the it, amount of CoinDesk headlines that say Bitcoin, it's like intentionally reduced. Well, you freak should know that CoinDesk is owned by Digital Currency Group, which has uh, an incentive to push coins outside of Bitcoin on individuals, and they could potentially propagandized via CoinDesk. Maybe they're separate editorially, but just know where the incentives lie. Follow the money. Um, travel rule of white paper. Travel rule white paper. This flew under the radar a little bit too this week, but... You got pretty angry there. about it. I did, and... Um, I got angry. I don't want to clear anything. I do want to clear things up. 
I got angry. Passionate. Uh, I think you were I right, think. Marty. I am right. <laughs> it's, it's so. If you freaks didn't see the tweet I sent out and don't know what's going on, so there's basically a working group, I believe, of 25 quote unquote virtual asset service providers, exchanges, other types of server providers, ledgers on the list. I found the list. Um, none of our sponsors are on the list. You want to keep list it? Read the um, list, Marty. All right, give me a second. I know Bitrix on it. I know Gemini's on it. I know Kraken's on it. I know Coinbase AIG's is on, on it. List. AIG's on it? Yeah, it's like, why is the fuck? Is they AIG just have X Man U sponsors are on the list? Yeah, I don't know. Let me, um, give me a second. <laughs> Let me find this real well, quick. Well, of course, like, you know, I'm not even disappointed in AIG. Like, they caused a global financial collapse. Like, what can you, you know, what can you expect? Right. All right, so I have the list. 100 divided by X. Here, we're going to filter it to the working group. Ninth gear. I've never heard of a bunch read of the ones we Ninth. know. Read the ones we know. Don't read us bullshit companies. Bitmart. Don't know them. Cardano Foundation. I, I know them, I guess. That's funny. The whole shit coin is just going to be travel rule friendly. Right. Uh, Coolbit X. I'm just trying to find the ones. Coolbit X is, is that wallet that looks like a credit card. Uh, I have no idea. Crypto asset rating. Crypto garage. That was surprising to me. Crypto garage. Come on. Uh, the ones that- DTC. Oh, that's I got him confused with Digital Garage. Never mind. I don't know who Crypto Garage is. Yeah, Digital Garage D- is is out of Japan. That's not Crypto Garage. Yes. Uh, DTCC, uh, Electric Coin Company. Who's DTCC? They're serving today. <laughs> or, excuse me, securing today, shaping tomorrow. Wait, I don't, I don't know, know who they are. Zcash though is Electric Coin Company. Yes, that's it's interesting. Okay, who else? Spooko is all over that. Um, Elliptic, shocker. Well, all the chain surveillance companies are probably on board. Ledger, shame on Ledger. Well, you know, they might just be covering their bases. They're non-custodial, so a non-custodial does not... Uh, like, I'm not going to hold it against the non-custodials yet because they're not affected by the travel rule. Luno. But why would they even be participating? Maybe they want to know what the fuck's going on. I mean, that's all I know. That's it? So it doesn't show Bitrix, Gemini, Kraken, Coinbase on there? Where'd you get this list, Marty? They, some freak sent it via DMs. Obviously not going to disclose yeah, my source, disclose but the source. they changed the website. They changed Does the it website. not show Bitrix, Gemini, Kraken? It, it, okay. If you go to Patreon, it's got Coinbase... Ernst and Young, Huobi, Classic R three. Remember R three and R three. Yeah, they changed the website, dude. But see, part of this is this is part of the sketchy Mis- part Mis- to me. Masari, Masari's on the advisory council. Shapeships on the advisory council. Ellipsis. Oh yeah, I heard Shapeshift was on it. Consensus, shocker. All of Ethereum is. I I called on on this podcast and on other podcasts, including Ethereum podcasts, that they were going to become the de facto Ether, uh, KYC chain. So if that happens, I get a big "told you so" and maybe a glass of whiskey from someone. 
be nice. I'll provide you a glass of whiskey if this happens. I appreciate it. Um, uh, yes. So what is going on here? This, yeah. These companies, agencies, whatever they are, involved in a working group to create an API that complies with the travel rule. And the travel rule basically dictates if you have money, in this case, virtual assets, quote unquote, moving between different entities that are regulated by the Financial Action Task Force, an agency that should be destroyed, uh, they have to share certain personal data of the customers moving funds from uh, one entity to the other with each other. It, that data has to travel with them. These quote-unquote virtual asset service providers are creating an open API to easily comply with the travel rule. Uh, in the white paper that we're going to link to in the show notes, they do specifically say sending from a virtual asset provider to service provider to personal custody does, is not uh, beholden to the travel rule. But I got pissed off because the white paper number one doesn't doesn't name any of the people involved. Like I had to find had to have a freak send me this website. We still don't know. To, That's the sketchiest out. part. Yeah, and again, it's initiation of a slippery slope. I would say. This is phase one, phase two. It's like, oh, all right, you got the API. You know what? If they try to send it to somebody who's not using the API, don't let them. Right. I mean, I think, first of all, it's got a big collaborators vibe. Uh, you know, they're collaborating with the occupation. And they're working against their own users, and they're not admitting to it. So, like, at least be upfront about it. Coinbase released a blog about it. They were like, we are the evil enemy. We were talking about it. Um, so they were at least, I'll give them credit on that one. They were at least out front on that. Um, the, the, the simple man's explanation here is if you send from one regulated exchange to another regulated exchange, that regulated exchange that you sent it from is going to tell the receiver exchange that you are this person with your KYC info and you sent it. So that private information that is already a risk to you as a user that's being stored probably insecurely is now going to be stored in another place also probably insecurely. One second, Marty. John, okay. The second implication here is most likely what's going to happen is if you don't send it to an address they recognize, which they will probably recognize any other regulated exchange address, I'm guessing they're going to start sharing XPubs and stuff like that so they can see an address and they know like this is a Gemini address, this is a Bitstamp address. They're going to make you basically like check a box that says, this is my own address. I take responsibility for it. I'm sending it to myself. And then ultimately what I think is going to be the, the final thing there is the easiest way to comply with all this bullshit is to just go the PayPal and, and, and Robinhood approach and just not even allow you to self-custody in the first place. Because not only does that check off the regulatory box, it makes security really fucking easy. If your users can't withdraw, you're not going to lose any Bitcoin. Agreed. The one caveat I would say here is that if you're moving it from one of these regulated entities to another, the other probably has your KYC info already, correct? That's what John Carvalho, he has some critiques on the tweet that I sent out. And that was one of them. It's interesting what he gets angry about. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I guess, but like, I think the idea is to like double check you, right? And like make everyone know that they have, they're being watched, right? So, so did you say the same KYC info to that exchange? Did that exchange check it well enough uh, compared to the other exchange? And if they're sharing all this information back and forth, then basically they have um, like collaborators 
like ratting each other out, right? And if you have this environment where everyone's going to rat each other out, then obviously there's going to be more compliance. So like you're literally creating the kind of compliance atmosphere that you see in like prisons and you see in like fucking work camps <laughs> and shit, right? I, I agree. I completely agree. I think it's complete bullshit. And so I got pissed off, number one, because it doesn't seem like there's been any pushback against this from these virtual asset service providers. They're just bending the knee, sucking the dick, and doing this behind everybody's back. Like, if it hasn't been public at all, the API is in beta. So they made this without even telling people, like, hey, we're going to be asked to do this, and we're going to be sharing your information. So that pissed me off. Uh, not everybody's involved. So then, like, is this working group going to strong arm the people who aren't in it? Like, what happens yeah. to the people? If you're not in the working group, it's a suspicious activity. Yeah, fuck That's that. exactly what's going to happen. Cold Card Unchained, our sponsors. Cold Card is not a sponsor. It's oh, a cash app. fuck, dude. You just created a huge <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> um. We've already, been, we've already been accused of having a secret cold card sponsorship, which we do not have. I've spent so much sats at cold card. Like, that, that does not fucking... That is reverse sponsorship. Well. And I'm just going to say it, Rodolfo, for everybody playing bingo out there. You got you it. You should give us um, more free shit. We're supposed to still... We have to raffle off a Block Clock Mini, which he released a picture of that looked very good. Oh, I can't wait to But yeah, that. cold card's not involved, it appears... Fucking Unchained's not involved. Square's not involved. As far as we know. I mean, on the list that I've seen. And we will give them shit. No one so. talks. I like we. I got some shit thrown at me on fucking Twitter about our candid Jack Dorsey Square conversation last week. Like, name me another fucking podcast that candidly talks about their sponsors on air. Like, there's, there's no, definitely not in the Bitcoin space. There's no one else in the fucking Bitcoin space that does it. And I just want to say, as far as I, I, I'm not ready to throw shade at the non-custodial people involved in that working group, because as far as I'm concerned, they don't have to comply. So I would kind of, if I was them and I thought I could keep it secret, I'd kind of want to be at the table just to see what was going on. Yes. So another caveat here, too. There is a don't hate the player, don't hate the game. That's dangerous, slippery slope. Well, I mean, the game being the Bank Secrecy Act and the Financial Action Task Force, like we should really be going after abolishing that act and that regulatory body. But the players in this case who have kept this under the radar, built this API, and are probably just going to ninja launch it on their users at some point, like they didn't fight back at all. Like, what the fuck? There could have been a legal fight. What the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing here? Like, what does Bitcoin exist for? Like, are you going to, like, actively bifurcate the network just to comply with regulations that have been proven time and time again to be completely ineffective against the the largest perpetrators of the crimes that they claim to be preventing? Like, it doesn't make any sense. These laws are ineffective. They should not be in place anymore. I mean, I, it doesn't make any fucking sense. I guess you could say it's a, it's a cuck mentality. Yes, a cuck mentality. From a user perspective, not only can should the freaks be outspoken about being against this, um, and I think like, 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 fuck, fuck you. Like anyone, like we're allowed to be angry about it. Let's just let's be vocal about it. These companies know that we're going to be angry about it. They have thick skin. They can fucking handle it. 
Okay, but let them know. Have them have some pressure. I, I don't have any sympathy there where we got to be like fucking ginger toes about it and be nice. You know, that's fucking ginger ridiculous. Um, but on top of that, like what a user can do is when you withdraw from these KYC services, withdraw through CoinJoin. Um, and even if you're not effective at it, even if you if you insist on using a broken coin joint implementation like Wasabi and it's just not effective and you, you fuck everything up and you just don't gain any privacy from it whatsoever, at least it's a protest. At least you're telling these organizations that bent the fucking knee that 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 you're not cool with that and it's immediately visible on chain. Like that's how I I view it as a protest. Every time you withdraw the coin joint. I mean, obviously, I think you should use Whirlpool or Joint Market, but if you want to use Wasabi, use Wasabi. I'm fine with that. Um, and but but you should use one of them, and it, it it should be a form of protest in between your cold storage and your and your and and definitely withdraw. Don't leave it on custody. Well, I think we should really stress this point. Like this is probably a canary in the coal mine. The fight is coming. If you have a significant amount of sats on one of these exchanges, even if it's one of our sponsors. Especially if it's one of our sponsors. Because I don't want to hear about it after the fact. Like, just be... Again, I don't think they're going to jump to the front lines with the people complying with this API. I think they're actually going to fight against it. But just have, have that number of sats in your mind that you're comfortable with on these exchanges and these service providers. I honestly, I think I said this on episode 24 or whatever, our first episode together that I've operated under the mentality that they were going to close the on ramps to us at some point. And I didn't realize that there was, had to be nuance here where I don't care if they still let us buy. If we can't withdraw, they've closed the on-ramps. The on-ramps have been fucking closed. Like, and, and I think there's going to be a situation here, at least for a little bit of time, where that could be the case. And it's going to be more important than ever that people withdraw and take out their own to their own self-custody. Because at least then, you know, if you KYC, they know you have it. But it's it's a, it's a lot more difficult taking things from people than it is blocking you from taking them. Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, beware, freaks. Beware. Bullish, very very bullish week. This is something that went a little under the radar. Uh, beware. And speak up. That's like that's one thing I wanted to say earlier. What can you do? Speak up. Speak up against this. Tag these people. Coin join speech. Coin join. Tag people. Speak up. Use your voice, voice your displeasure, and fight for Bitcoin. Really, like again, if this stuff plays out to its logical conclusion and the network gets bifurcated, like what are we here for? What are we here for? Like, and are you are you willing to fight for it? Ask yourself that question. Um, I will say I have gotten feedback in DMs from people who are like, "Hey, this may stink, but maybe it's temporary. Maybe yes, they do bifurcate the the network." just to get all the viewpoints out there. Maybe they bifurcate the network successfully for a decade, but Bitcoin and its network effect grows so large that the P2P side of Bitcoin is so successful that it just becomes blatantly obvious that they need to reopen the floodgates. Potentially that could happen, but I would rather not even get to the point where we need that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they can stop Bitcoin. 
I don't, I don't, I, not in this way. I, I, I don't see it. Um, but it could be very painful for Bitcoiners. It could be very painful for freaks. It could be p very painful for me and Marty. Um, and I, I prefer that not the case. Um, and I prefer if our own country wasn't actively working against us, you know, but well, well, here we are. Like, listen so to, it's important for people said. to stand the fuck up. Listen to what you just said. Like, why should we be afraid? We're literally just buying Bitcoin and sending it to cold storage. Like, may, yeah, we tell people to coin join to get privacy because we think that's important. Like, where have we gotten to as a society, particularly in the U.S., where we have to be afraid of this? I don't know, like, Marty. It, there's, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. We have businesses around the country closed. You're not allowed to go over 75 miles an hour in this country. So I, there's I precedent here. I break that law every time I get in a car on the You're highway. Fucking criminal. I, hey, I love driving fast. <laughs> Nobody will ever stop me. I drive safe. I don't drive like an asshole and swerve through traffic. But when I have the opportunity, I like to drive fast. I like to think that if there was a poll, that if there was a poll, um, Bitcoiners would probably trend to speeding. Yes. Responsibly. What's your? Yes, responsibly. Yeah, I'm not gonna swerve through traffic i'm not one of those assholes baby on like board cutting people off yeah <laughs> i don't i do have a baby on board but i don't have that sticker because i'm not i'm not a cuck <laughs> no you gotta get the sticker the sticker is like the best part of having baby marty no no the baby is the best part of having. do you baby. think do you, how many people like what percentage of people with baby on board stickers you think um yeah before i trigger the freaks i was joking about that statement what percentage of uh, baby on board stickers do you think are not actually have a baby on board? Do you think there's like a bunch of like faux baby on board stickers? 5%, 8%, something like that. Just using the heuristic of there are people with fake uh, handicapped things. I think that's a similar thing. And knowing that have known people that have used that too i believe there would be people baby on board just because uh i believe you just get automatic sympathy for the police i think so yeah like if you get like a parking ticket or something like if you're about to get a, if you're like five minutes over and you have a baby on board sticker you may be less likely to get it yes same with handicap too imagine like giving a handicapped person a parking ticket like they could have been trying their best to get there yeah i mean same with all those like supporting the police stickers oh well here in Jersey, that's like a huge. Hey, have you ever heard? Apparently, like when I was in high school, at least. So going to high school in Philly, Philly is very close to the border of New Jersey, and ha my high school is basically half Jersey kids, half Pennsylvania kids. Apparently, in Jersey specifically, like if you have the special card, it says like I'm a family member. Yeah, PBA card. Of, yes. Hey, I had a PBA uh, card and a PBA badge, and I had all the stickers. I had a bunch of PBA stickers. I still have them. And what am I saying? I'm talking out. in past tense. What? It gets it gets you out. It gets you out of everything. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fantastic. I mean, I have a, literally a get out yeah. of get out of a ticket free card. The problem is, it was always a positive, but now, like in the streets of Brooklyn, like you don't want to be parked in the streets of Brooklyn, like with the stickers on like the wrong night, because then they like come through. They're like, "Oh, police sympathizer." And they just <laughs> fuck fuck up your car. <laughs> like actually worried about it a bit. But but up until that point, it was it was definitely overwhelmingly positive. Um, yes. Now the kid, the Jersey kids in high school, when they got their licenses, they like brag with their PPA cards, like, "Ah, oh, look at me, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an insider's club. I mean, to be to be clear, like, I've always overwhelmingly supported our local law enforcement, so it wasn't like a lie. I mean, I do too. But I mean, but it, it was definitely a double sense. standard. Yes, I will. I will. Yes. Uh, hundred percent admit that actually i have it depends on what local law enforcement uh there's one law enforcement agency in the south jersey shore that i absolutely loathe because they took advantage of uh so tradition here in the philadelphia south jersey area when you graduate high school uh you get what's called a senior house typically down the shore you and your 10 of your friends from high school pull your money together and rent a house for the summer. For underage drinking. Yes. Uh, and the cops know that this is going to happen. And no matter how, I mean, obviously underage drinking, if any of you young freaks out there, <laughs> I think the drinking age should be 18, so I don't care. Yeah, the drinking age should be 18. Every time, every, when once you pass 21, everyone forgets about it, but we believed wholeheartedly. When I, when I was young, it was my most important issue. Right? Yeah. But... This one particular uh, law enforcement agency in one city in a Jersey Shore town just did not abide by any, like, literally just walk into it. No knock, just walk in, no warrant. But they knew. Sight, 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 sight. Yeah. I mean, you... yeah, they knew, but they, they did not follow. You need a warrant. You need to knock. And we literally would get in, like, sta- like sometimes we get in standoff fights where we lock the door and just, like, be like, get a fucking warrant. Um, yeah, but you'd get out of it. It was, like, minimal penalty. I mean, yeah, it was like four hundred dollar ticket I had to pay a few times. Just a revenue Not fun. revenue scam. Exactly. Well, dude, and that's like the thing that pissed me off the most. Like that winter after that senior summer, literally in the local paper talking about how they bought like new cruisers and new equipment. Not like a military military industrial complex. Like they just got it for the mil- they literally <laughs> bought it with the revenue. <laughs> From the citations, that's four hundred dollars citations. Yeah, I mean that's a scam. I mean that's just a hidden tax on yes. on our children. But this is a Bitcoin podcast, not a breaking the law podcast. Uh, no, everyone should should follow the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, that's our official just. stance. Official stance. Official stance. But like, take that with a. Eh. Let's get to software updates. We got a lot of them. I'll let you run through them. You're going to let me run through them? Yeah. I mean, okay, I'll go through them. BTC Pay Server version 1.0.5.8 is out. If you're running that, update that. Uh, BTC Pay Server has made their release notes Marty friendly. So it fixed the pay join client implementation. Uh, shout out to Kooks for that. It fixed the, the same wallet by default. Should not include previous transaction. Shout out to founder of BTC Space Server, Nicholas Dorier, for fixing that. And then Kooks, uh, it's a bunch of bug fixes. That's about it. I should not be reading these release notes. Um, they are Marty version one. They are. BISC version 1.4.2 is out. If you freaks are using BISC, make sure you update that. Uh, the big it's packed with new features and improvements. What are the big ones? The big one is you can withdraw to back 32 native SegWit addresses. Bang bang! Yes. Um, Tor browser is updated there. I c- I can help you out here, Marty. Um, or I thought I could, but now I, now I lost the list. Uh, we have Phoenix V one point four point zero, which is a major release. Um, the big thing here is the app can 
keep track offline. So if you receive a payment when you don't have a channel and not offline and, and the app isn't open, it, it will respond and will create the open channel, uh, which is important because they'll then open a channel to you and you pay them a small fee in sats um, for that privilege. Um, Breeze, one of our favorite lightning uh, wallet apps, has come into proper release candidate status. Um, and they've added a blog post that comes with a 4 million sat capacity limit increase, um, from 1 million sats, um, which is 3 million sats of good news. So it's a 4 million limit, not a 5 million, right? It's 4 million. It was 1 million. Yeah. That's 3 million sats of good news. Okay. Yes. Um, thought of that line on the spot. Tails V 4.12 has been released which is a dope-ass private Linux distro where you're able to just, like, pull the USB stick and it's supposed to wipe everything. Um, and that includes the new Tor browser, which also has been released, Tor Browser V10.0.2, which includes the new Firefox and the new NoScript. Um, Raspi Blitz V1.6.1 was released right before the two disclosures were released. Make sure you update that. Um, so that you're not vulnerable to those disclosures. Um, that also includes Circuit Breaker. I think the first mainstream node package that includes Circuit Breaker, um, if you want to know more about that, uh, listen to our podcast episode with Yoast. Did I pronounce his name right? Yoast. 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 Um, you're close enough. Massive respect there, even if I butcher your name. Um, and that also includes a local version of mempool.space, um, as well as a bunch of big updates there. Join, join Inbox got updated um, to v0.1.12, which is the easiest way to use join market from our, from our boy OpenOMS. Um, that's, that's like the only way I use join market now. So if you're going to use join market, highly recommend just setting up a Raspi Blitz. Uh, massively easier to use if you go that what route, go that route. Um, what else do we have here, Marty? We have Sparrow V0.9.6 has been released. Um, Sparrow uh, has added Kobo Vault QR import, added BitBot O2 support, um, improved wallet load times, and now it, it supports batch transactions, which is a big deal considering we are probably never going to see one sat per byte again for the rest of 2020. You heard it here first, freaks. Um, uh, big news out of Voltage Cloud. They, they're now adding Lightning Cloud services. Um, so I guess and we're now out of the updates. So we have Voltage Cloud Lightning service. What do you think of this, Marty? Yes. Did you see this? <clears throat> Not gonna lie, a little confused. So it's it's marketed as non-custodial cloud hosting for Lightning nodes, which means they're gonna handle the networking, uh, backups, upgrades for you, so you can just focus on using Lightning. Like, what is what is this trust model? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that question to you. So it's a little bit regulatory arbitrage, right? And this is kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, if they were custodial, then they would be super easy to hit with regulations right so they can't be custodial um so so they're non-custodial because everything is encrypted so they can't see what's going on on the server mm. theoretically but 
it's still their server. They have physical control of the server. It's not your hardware. So the trust model is worse than if you had a node in your home. But it's strictly superior than if you're using like Wallet of Satoshi and you're just using a custodial wallet, right? Like you have your own, you you strictly have your own LND node that is encrypted by your own keys. And if they're not doing any funny business, they can't access that. They could theoretically shut it off. They could do some fuckery with it if they had a channel open with it and stuff. But they shouldn't be able to access the data inside of it. And and we see Noddle is about to release their own competitor to this Noddle Cloud. Um, it is strictly inferior in terms of trust. It is strictly inferior in terms of cost, right? Like a Noddle, a Raspberry Blitz. If you build a Raspberry Blitz, you can build one for $300. Uh, you buy a Noddle, you can buy one. I don't even know what they cost right now. Like $400, 450 um, You can look that up at Noddle.it if I got it wrong. Um this is what is it twenty six dollars a month, something like that, twenty eight dollars a month. Yes, twenty eight. If believe. you buy for the year, um, but one thing twenty seven dollars a month. Excuse me, thirty two ninety nine per month. No, but it's one ninety nine per month. It's twenty purchasing a month to month subscription. Right, but twenty seven for the year. If you buy for the year, it's twenty seven per month. Which I like honestly, like if you're going to do this, buy for the year. Um, there's something to be said about the convenience factor. Uh, I have been on a road trip, and my I, my node was down for a week and a half, and I needed to update it because LND had two vulnerabilities, and I couldn't do it remotely. So, so for someone who's moving around a lot. And I couldn't talk about it on the podcast because I didn't want people to know that my node was compromised. Like there was like a, right? Because when it's offline, you can broadcast in an old state. So I couldn't talk about it on the podcast. So there, there's an argument to be made about um, for certain people, they just can't run a, a, you know, like a small single board computer, like a Noddle or a fucking Raspberry Blitz, like somewhere stable. And they, they, they might they might choose to use one of these cloud nodes. And for app developers, obviously, there's there's major improvements if they can use you know one of these always on uh, cloud node instances for their users rather than requiring the users to have a single board computer. Yeah, I think services like Voltage are number one necessary, number two inevitable. Um, again. As long as you have a range of different trust models and people are executing on, people are running nodes like ourselves at home, uh, as well as uh, services like Voltage. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I think the Lightning Network's going to be fine, and the I think it's okay. I think it's it's going to happen naturally. Like again, people love UX. You have to think of the end user, and if there's a company, see, I would prefer this to running this in like an Amazon web server, I think, because I think this voltage is dedicated to Bitcoin and Lightning specifically and catering to a very specific client, which they'll dedicate their resources to make sure that a very specific client base is happy. Well, it's interesting because AWS, Amazon would be more expensive if you were going to run it through Amazon. It's actually cheaper because uh, they've like, made it so they can run multiple instances on on servers so that they can reduce the cost as much as possible. 
I, I think as long as the trust model is clear, it's it's good to have these things, these cloud nodes. Um, I think it's important for people to realize that strictly speaking from a trust model, like you want, uh, you want to control your own hardware and it's really important that people control their own hardware for their nodes. Uh, with Lightning, it's a little bit different because it needs to be always on, which is the main negative of Lightning is that it always has to be hot. And I, I think really though, like if we're just gonna be, we're at the bar just talking between boys, the business model here for both Voltage and other cloud node providers is one of regulatory arbitrage. And it's because really in this situation, it'd be way easier to just run a custodial wallet, but they can't run a custodial wallet because then they have to add KYC. And if they add KYC, then you add all this friction and your wallet's not going to be used because no one wants to fucking enter all of their fucking passport information just to use your Bitcoin app. You know, so so what's going to happen is these are basically regular regulatory arbitrage tools in practice is, is what the result is. I like that thought. I have another thought here. Could you use voltage as a, a backup? node, like you're just running a carbon copy of your physical node at home in case your Internet goes out, your power goes out. It could be a fail safe. I don't think so. No. I mean, okay. it'd be dangerous because the problem with lightning is if you if you broadcast an old state, uh, it, it's considered cheating, and then you can lose all everything. Yeah, so you have sense. to be very careful with your backups. You have to be very careful with concurrent backups. Maybe like some wizard can figure that out, but I right now no. That would be a good service, right? Um, if you're able to encrypt all that data. Yeah, I mean, I think I both could be good services. I mean, you have to be careful, right? Like, yeah. how does that backup work? Does that add another trust? Like, it, is is that a backdoor to fucking with your home node or your office node? Maybe. Yeah. Important problems to solve. And yes, I don't want to... I think Voltage is a good service that I would, in some cases, actually panned up. Like, our just for the website having to always be on. Well, we already we already rely on the same trust model for the website because it's on a virtual private it's on server. It's AWS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would probably actually, I'll probably voltage transition is cheaper. to Voltage. Yeah. I'll probably transition to Voltage for that. Or not a cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or not a cloud. Doesn't not already have the cloud though? That's for like individual. They've been working on <coughs> not, rolling it out. They it's not out yet, but I'm super excited for it. All right, be on the lookout, freaks. Shout out to the Noddle team and the Voltage team. Miss you, and the Voltage team. Miss you both. Actually, I don't know if I've ever met the Voltage team, but I hope to meet you. One I think day they're in the freaks. We should get them on the podcast. We should. Uh, if you guys hear this, reach out. Let's chat. Go over these uh, these trade offs. You know them better than we do, I would assume. Hoddle Hoddle, earlier today, inspired by our boy Matt O'Dell here, launched a P2P Bitcoin lending support, uh, basically a lending platform where you can put Bitcoin up as collateral and get a USD loan in the form of a stable coin, whether it be Tether, um, Liquid Tether, uh, USDC. Is USDC on it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't USDC know all the, is on it. I didn't even know I inspired USDC. them until... Until release. Well, I told you. Yeah. I told you. Well, like right we're before gonna release. Inter- we're going to hop on the uh, the mic with, with Max and Roman tomorrow morning. 
maybe just max i'm not sure exactly yeah, so we'll talk um, about this tomorrow yeah um and we'll actually actually probably release that right after that conversation so um the service is available it's not available to u.s clients or u.s users for like two weeks or um, three weeks or something yeah so, uh, some some point which will be the future. it'll be the first service they offer that is actually available to u.s clients um they they already have the buy and sell service and they have a prediction service uh, which both are technically not allowed for u.s users um all three of the services don't require kyc what's kind of cool here is it's a multi-sig escrow of the collateral between them you and and both parties. So both parties and them are the are the three key signers, is my understanding, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so you just assume that your counterparty will act in good faith and sign the but you don't have transaction. To. You don't have to. Hoddle Hoddle's there right. to arbitrate and and be there if somebody tries to fuck somebody else over in these these setups. So in, shout out to Hoddle Hoddle. In general, full disclosure, I would never lend against my Bitcoin. Fuck that shit. I'm just not going to do it. Like I'll send, I'll sell piecemeal at Sat Cent Parity. Full disclosure, <laughs> I would actually think about taking out a Bitcoin collateralized loan. Nah, fuck it, can't do it. It's in my risk appetite. I would do it if need be. Stay humble, freaks. Um, I mean, if you time the market right. If you time the market time wrong, the it's March twelfth. Yes, that's true. Um, I'm not gonna put. My whole stack. Yeah, too. definitely don't put your whole... Well, we can both agree on that one. Yeah. I would use the service. I would use a Bitcoin as collateral lo- loan service. I actually think those rates are going to be arbed down too, so it's going to become more common. It's mostly a tax arbitrage service is what it is. B- Traditional banks are beginning to let you use Bitcoin as collateral, take out USD, like not stable coin loans, which is pretty crazy. Because if you sell the Bitcoin, then you have to pay taxes on it. But if you loan against the Bitcoin, you don't have to pay taxes on it as long as that collateral stays above what your loan amount is. But the problem is like in a March 12th scenario, we went from like 8K to 3.5K. So your collateral thirded. So if you didn't have enough Bitcoin in there, you had to get Bitcoin in there quickly. Otherwise, they sold your Bitcoin to pay the collateral. And then at that point, you had to pay tax on that and you sold the bottom. Yes. All right. And so if something like this happens and you are going to add to your your collateral, make sure you you send a fee that will probably get included in the next block. (laughs) Look Look at Clark Moody's dashboard before you make that transaction. Uh. This Bitcoin hippie is by CNAS. What is CNAS again? I don't know. If you, I think I saw something. If you click it, it just says what they are. Aren't they like Center for New American Security? Were they? Were they? Were they the? They're both agency or whatever that tied it back to like Russian bots on Facebook. They're both Dems, and they they're 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 they support both parties in America. And they, they were saying that Bitcoin is being used to influence our elections and it's dangerous. And I think I just think this is a narrative we'll see more often, so I put it in the, the list. And guess what, CNAS? It's only going to increase from here. Bitcoiners are going to start buying politicians by the handful. Don't give them... They're going to like quote you in their next like quarterly statement. I'd be honored, humbled. Yeah, it's whatever. 
I don't think Bitcoin's really having an effect on any election. I think so. most elections are getting. <laughs> nor do I think. Nor do I think Russian bots are either. So, most most election interference is being done through the traditional financial system. Yes. You can quote me on that in your quarterly. I didn't see this until the last BBC reporting that Thai authorities are attempting to block access to Telegram. Is it Thai authorities? Are these Thai authorities proxy for the Chinese Communist Party? No, 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 no. Thailand has massive protests going on right now. I actually had a Thai freak reach out. Um, yeah, because China's trying to Hong Kong them right now, aren't they? No, 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 no. It's it's just Thailand is trying to Thailand them. It has nothing to do with CCP. Or I mean, I mean, I'm sure the CCP is doing shit in the background, but but it's mostly just the. I, I think Thailand has a monarchy um, that is like military. It's like a military junta. I love the word junta. They have like a military government over in Thailand that is just fucking shitty to their people. So the the Thai are protesting and they're mostly coming through. Um, Telegram is the way that they're communicating with each other. Um, so so Thai authorities are trying to to shut it down. And I had a Thai freak reach out uh, to let me know about it, so I wanted to. I wanted to spread the word, and and in the good news, is our boy Durov. You know, if you're listening, you should come on the podcast. Uh, CEO and founder of Telegram is like really good at trying to subvert these blockades. He's he's it's like his. I think it's a hobby of his. He enjoys doing it. All of our Thai freaks out there, stay strong, stay safe. We're pulling for you. And I think uh, while we have this topic on the top of our minds, we should bring up the fact that uh, Nigeria, any Nigerian freaks out there with the SARS protests, um, the no SARS protests, excuse me, uh, it seems like the military opened fire on protesters this week. Pretty abhorrent and despicable behavior on behalf of the Nigerian government. We're pulling for you Nigerian freaks as well. I'm not going to speak like I understand exactly what's going on in the ground in Nigeria. I used to cover Nigeria back in my days when I worked at the fun just because of the sweet Nigerian crude. Um, but I have not stayed uh, up to date with the exact happenings in the country. Uh, but it does seem like uh, peaceful protests are being met with violence from the state well, the which government would ne- say it was never going to see you, did you see the video of, like i'm just opening like we're just literally just standing outside a gate i did not see that video having a sit down and the military started opening like fire on yeah i mean i i guess what i was trying to say is i think on this podcast we've unequivocally supported Hong Kong protests, we've unequivocally supported Thai protests, we've unequivocally supported French protests, we've unequivocally supported Nigerian protests. Um, but when it came to U.S. protests, there was nuance and consideration that maybe the protests weren't peaceful enough. And I wonder how you level that in your perspective going forward on these international protests, 
considering that perspective previously in America. I love that comment. And we cannot provide that perspective for the freak. So any of you Nigerian, Thai, French freaks out there who want to help us get a better perspective, please feel free to reach out. Make sure we're getting good information out there. Oh, that's a good answer. I would love to have any of you on the podcast. On the podcast. Um, I mean, I, Armenia, I, my, default, my default is I just think authorities will always say that the protests weren't peaceful. And I will always stand on the side of protesters um, because I think if you're inherently protesting, you're obviously on the weaker side. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to protest. Like yes. The definition of protest. Yes. And I guess here in America, particularly this year, the, the question at hand is where they protest or, or riots. But that's what they always say. Like if you ask the Nigerians, there were riots over in Nigeria. In Thailand, there's riots in Thailand. I didn't see any burning buildings. Uh, again, I don't know the full perspective. I can only speak for what I saw here in America. Yeah, like I and I have to cover myself. I'm not supporting riots, but the easiest thing you can do is just put a pro- provocateur in there, and you can just make it. You can make it. Uh, you can you can right. make it as an excuse that they were not peaceful. They were not, you mm. know, whatever. And this and then true. you just you just drop drop the drop the boot on them. Yes. <sighs> what a world! What a world! Keep Bitcoining, freaks. At least, like I wrote today, in, like I wrote today in the bent, Bitcoin provides an opportunity for an optimistic future. We can get away from these kleptocrats. We can get away from these oppressive regimes. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be immediate. It's not going to happen. I don't think in the next decade it's going to take time, but it's a fight worth fighting. And you make progress by contributing what you can, whether it be code, uh, investing in businesses dedicated to uh, creating products that are true to the ethos of Bitcoin. This is my shining light, at least. This is why I do what I do with the podcast, the newsletter, deciding to work at GAM. Like I, I, I believe Bitcoin is a conduit for an optimistic future and that's why i decided to spend my time on it yeah i mean to be perfectly clear uh i come from the perspective that i think short to medium term we're fucked if we don't have bitcoin so bitcoin is our only hope and that's why i focus my time on it um bitcoin is a truth machine and you can't there's no nuance there there's no peaceful protest versus harmful riots with Bitcoin. It's just Bitcoin. It is what it is. And and you can send you can send value all throughout the world without asking permission and that's fucking massive. So I would love a world where people can speak freely. They can speak with anyone they want to around the world and they can transact with those people anywhere around the world freely. And I think we cannot accomplish that with laws. We can only accomplish that with code. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm bullish. And just naturally when that is enabled, I believe that free trade leads to a more peaceful world. Just naturally. And I think sound money actually helps bring that peaceful world too because it potentially inhibits inequality to a certain extent because you don't have the Cantillon effect being applied to the monetary system. Matthew, 
we're almost two hours in. It's almost 7.15 here on the East Coast, and we got to get this out to the freaks. Let's wrap it up. What do you got to say? Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Peace and love, freaks.